this is gonna be the best book you ever read. Like, this is your new favorite book. Off the internet, man. I need to go be introverted. Welcome to Books in the City Pod. I'm Emily. I'm Kayla. I'm Becky. And I'm Libby. And today we have the big unveil, the big announcement, <laughs> the thing we've been teasing for like the it's past happening. Month. Like two months. Yeah, <laughs> it's been so long. <laughs> Forever. The vague <laughs> references to the newsletter. Soon is now. The vague non-answers. Today, the f- I have a poster that says the future is now and the future is now. <laughs> so our big announcement is... Drum roll, Drum roll side, effect, side effect. I mean... Libby? <laughs> side effect. <laughs> that was perfect. Patreon! Yes, we have an official fan club that we made ourselves for ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) We're just assuming that you guys are out there. That we We have have fans. fans We're big fans. We have at least four fans. (laughs) Yeah, I'll join. (laughs) (laughs) We are our own biggest fan. No, um, we are, though. For those of you who don't know what Patreon is, so it is basically a platform for creators to be able to give their biggest supporters and biggest fans um, additional content um, and special opportunities. And so we're going to have four different um, membership, fan club membership tiers. Um Level one is called the Miranda, level two is called the Charlotte, and level three is called the Samantha, and level four is called the Carrie. And so you see the trend here with our <laughs> um, fan club tier, tier names. Um, so you can, if you signed up for the newsletter, you already know all about this. Um, but we will have, we have a link on our website for you to go ahead and sign up and join if you'd like to. Um, Kayla, why don't you tell the people what they can get by joining the fan club. Okay, so obviously it's different for every tier, but some fun things include special bonus episodes because you want to hear more of us, a exclusive merch for Patreon, including the fan club bookmark and more to come. You can add questions to the infamous fishbowl. The What we know you all want, the wine glass, is Patreon exclusive, so head over there literally everyone who messages me on instagram all the time (laughs) (laughs) um you'll have access to an exclusive voice mailbox so you can leave a message for us like juliet did a few weeks ago virtual happy hours with the co-host us so you can meet us and hang out a special producer credit shout out at the end of every episode and so much more so definitely head over there to see the full list and i know what you guys are all thinking but what about all the what about the sweatshirt So we are going to be launching merch for everyone. Not all of our merch is going to be Patreon exclusive, um, but Patreon members are going to get first dibs on merch. So there will be a special fan club pre-sale a week before the kind of general public sale. So this Friday is when our, our merch drop is going to be available for fan club members. And then the following Friday is when people will be able to get the re- like whoever else um, wants it will be able to get the rest of the merch that way. 
if you're listening later, that's August 21st for Patreon and then the 28th to everybody. Yeah. And so uh, we're not like the first podcast to use <laughs> Patreon. Um, and usually what happens is your your donations are going towards kind of like sustaining our podcast, such as like paying Nicole for her nice illustrations that we all love and the music and equipment and kind of the streaming services and these costs that go into making this little digital monster that we love (laughs) (laughs) and um and we've been really impressed by the way like how fast the podcast has grown and we really want to like make sure that we keep up with the demand it's it's been a fun like endeavor for for all of us and and we want to make sure that we're giving you kind of like the content and and things that you like and so any little bit helps but by all means don't feel obliged to donate monetarily um other support can come from listening to our episodes telling your friends and family because word of mouth really helps spread the 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 love for our podcast posting and definitely leaving reviews on on apple and spotify because that like boosts our um exposure to like new faces and and friends yeah, we know obviously quarantine times are strange, money might be tight, whatever. I just want to stress this is not going to affect the quality of content that everyone is going to be able to get for free. Obviously, we'll continue recording weekly episodes. We'll keep being hilarious all the time. You know, <laughs> you don't just need to get the bonus content to hear how wonderful we are. Um, but yeah, like Emily said, just rate, review, all of that helps. Also a reminder to um, if you're ever influenced by any of our book talks on here, um, there's always a link to our bookshop.org page in the show notes. So you can always shop books from any episode that we've ever done. Um, that's another way that, that you can help. And of course, continue tagging us using the hashtags so that we can keep seeing um all of you reading great books and yeah and wearing our merch wearing our merch (laughs) yeah so just to recap we have a fan club (laughs) you can join it um and get early access to merch um and tons of other fun extra content um of course you don't have to there's other ways to help, which Libby and Emily just walked through. I do want to let you guys know exactly what you can expect on Friday um, for the pre-sale merch and the following Friday on the 28th for the general sale merch. So we are now introducing koozies for your White Claw and for your regular <laughs> Coca-Cola or whatever it is that you prefer to drink. Um, they're or so beer. cute. Yeah, the you know, we have around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Coke, what? We have influenced people inclusive. to drink White Claw. Really? Yeah, I've seen posts of people saying, I'm drinking White Claw. Because they usually it. tag me in it because I'm always drinking oh a White Claw. Oh, my God. So Sponsor now you have a koozie claw. for your White Claw. Oh, my God, please. <laughs> <laughs> Send us free White Claw. Um, no, but we will be posting this week pictures of the koozies that are soon to come um and yes should we talk about book sweatshirt is going to be part of it um but i will let you know that the koozies are limited quantity so make sure you go and snag those asap um and yeah we're excited thanks for listening and 
growing this little community with us when we made this we were like are we shouting into the void because we're just <laughs> like friends who like hanging out and chatting so we're glad that you like hanging out and chatting with us probably yeah totally right? the biggest <laughs> the biggest reason um we're doing this is to be able to give you guys more because we see all those messages that say like ah oh, I want three episodes a week I want you know more so this is the way that we can give you more and more than we would ever be able to just in regular episodes so not to get like emo but I don't think any of us ever expected to grow as much as we have especially this fast so thank you for listening and supporting and we just can't wait to keep bringing you more exciting things now that that's out of the way, Emily, I was wondering about the fishbowl. I was wondering <laughs> if, if you still have it now that your room's a little more set up. Yeah, I built it a little oh, nightstand with my oh, bare oh my hands. God, wow. A little? I thought it was huge. And it, it, you're right. It's enormous. Um, and I <laughs> like have like so many hand cuts to, <laughs> to prove it. And I may or may not have installed things backwards and had to undo it and reinstall it. But there's a nice little pedestal for our fishbowl. <laughs> Let me go digging for some more questions. Oh, wow. So the fishbowl has a mind of its own. And knows that since it's our 21st episode. <laughs> Whoa, this guy's getting smart. Um, we thought <laughs> this anonymous deficient they are writing it are so smart. They are up on the yeah. geniuses, truly. Join, join our fan club to add to the fishbowl. <laughs> True. Yes. Um, so we want to talk about what we did for our 21st birthday. What a coincidence, because it's the 21st episode. Pure coincidence. <laughs> um, who should go first? Mine was really uneventful. but Oh, wait. Should we say, I don't know. if We have international listeners, and the 21st birthday here is a big deal, because that's usually when it's legal to drink in the U.S. Um, so, so some people have fun stories. Some people, ding, 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 were like organizing some club thing right, well you just want to go <laughs> yeah why don't you go first sure. i'm intrigued so 21 is actually my lucky number always has been because that's the date of my birth Ooh. oh that was your golden birthday it was oh, my golden amazing. birthday but not and i think i think i set high expectations for myself. it was like on a monday mm. um and i was like i'm school-wise younger than everyone so it was like everyone had their 21st birthday their junior year and I had mine my senior year and so everyone was kind of like over it I felt um, um and I was like on a committee for one of the clubs I was part of and I had like an event that night it was like basically two of I was responsible for like three events for the semester and one of them was on my birthday day so I had to be like hello everyone <laughs> it's my birthday hello, everyone. <laughs> let's get on with it um it is uh, it's fun my my mom sent me some like golden themed what was your first drink presents uh champagne Ooh, Ooh. that's my favorite. from aldi's and it exploded everywhere um and it like almost broke because i you know i still to this day i'm scared of like corks because i fucked it up so bad it was like, <laughs> pop and it was like blowing everywhere it almost broke my lamp i heard it like bounce oh, and man. i was like is this what 21 is <laughs> did you I don't know if we should or shouldn't say this i think i feel like we're old enough that it doesn't matter but did you drink pre-21 Mom, 
close your ears. Uh, yes. See, I Actually, did it. <laughs> what? <gasps> what? You did it all legal? The, the only time I did was I was on a cruise that was international. So we were in like international waters. So the age on the ship was 18. So I always drank legally. Oh my God. I never, you big nerd. I never had a fake or anything. Oh my God. <laughs> you big nerd. I would like to put a, a baby PSA out about this because I was like a, a very good girl and I didn't drink until college. But the first time I got drunk was at a frat party. Mm. And that was very dangerous. Like, do not be like me. Like, before <laughs> my sister went to college, I was like, we're having a few drinks. So you know what this is like <laughs> oh, that's before nice. you're alone at a frat party <laughs> with people you well, just I think met. Drinking and getting drunk are like two different. But you I know, never like had thing. anything like one yeah. drink and I was like, gone. Yeah. Woohoo. My 21st birthday, I don't remember what day of the week it was, but I lived at home in college. So, and here in Ohio, which is the home I'm talking about, um, the school I went to, I was a commuter, obviously, since I lived at home. So going to parties downtown and stuff was like, I had to make plans to like stay at someone's house and stuff like that. So it wasn't it mm-hmm. wasn't the normal college experience so that is is part of why i didn't mm-hmm. you know really drink until i was 21 but on my birthday i met my parents <laughs> for uh drinks at this place called the chocolate bar here in cleveland and okay. i had a chocolate martini <gasps> and it was gross and it sounds i gross. don't like oh, i don't like martinis. chocolatey milky things in my alcohol and i learned that that night oh no they had it'd be all- milky vodka Ugh. They have all different <laughs> kinds of like, you know, chocolatey type. There's like a, an espresso martini and like all different types Those of martinis that are mm-hmm. like themed with different chocolate. So that's where I went for my 21st birthday and like had one and then ate dinner. I was like, all right, let's go home. <laughs> so it was really uneventful, but I made up for it later in life once I moved to New York. <laughs> yes. Fully. You're the queen of, of the bars. Well, I also kind of had an unconventional one. I've come out on this podcast before as a former One Direction stan. Um, And I think I've mentioned that I drove cross country to see them. And on my 21st birthday was the day that we left for a two-week road trip across the country where we drove all the way out to Indiana first. And then on the way back, like we saw them in Indiana. And on the way back, we hit like four shows seeing them. Jesus. So it was literally the summer of my life. Like I... It was before my senior year of college, drained my savings account. Like literally I've never had so much fun, but I didn't really get that drunk. But the whole trip, I wanted a strawberry margarita to be like my first real drink out. And everywhere we stopped, they didn't have strawberry margaritas. So I just had. So specific. <laughs> yeah. Because well, I, love, I love margaritas. And at the time I was more of a strawberry girl than like a normal girl. Um <laughs> So I got like drunk at like this random. I'm not a normal girl. I'm, I'm a strawberry a girl. No strawberry girl. <laughs> <And> nor- <laughs> normal margarita girl. <laughs> so I ended up getting drunk at like this random dive bar in Pennsylvania on Malibu oh, Bay Breezes. Yeah. Malibu Bay Yeah, no, it yeah. was like, yeah, that's what, they didn't have the strawberry marks. That's what I went for. Incredible. Woof. Yeah. And then that whole trip, obviously, was like, this is my 21st birthday trip. So it kept going, but um, not your typical. I feel like I had probably the most <laughs> just typical uh, what you would expect for like an American Midwest 21st birthday um, 
But so I went to school in Iowa City at the University of Iowa, which is known for its amount of bars per capita. It's like a huge drinking town. Huge. Oh. There was this bar called Sports Column. Everyone called it Spoko. It was terrible. Don't, if you're in Iowa City, stay very far away from it. But for 21st birthdays, if you go and show them your ID and like prove that it's your birthday, they give you 21 pitchers for... $25, oh. I think it is. My oh. God. And I wow, have always been, you know, like a pretty introverted person. I don't have that many friends. I went for the 21st birthday deal and oh, had wow. 21 pictures. By yourself? No, but like there were <laughs> maybe, I don't know. People were coming in and out, but I feel like there were never more than like 15 people there at a time. It was way too much beer crazy start also my parents came to town because they're like half an hour away from my college town so i did get your parents chip in on the 21 pitchers yes they paid for it that's iconic so cute it was also disgusting it was like keystone light um oh really not not a good start but then my friends and i went but such a 21st birthday during yeah exactly also 21 pictures of it is like (laughs) very have you touched it since Uh, no ew (laughs) no but not because of that night because it's disgusting Mm -hmm. um but we ended the night at the gay bar in iowa city called studio 13 and we just danced and everyone was so sweaty and the mirror at the bar was broken and i somehow touched it and like got my hand all bloody but I kept oh, like fuck. hugging all my friends and getting blood. Oh my so god! You got their They're blood shirts. <laughs> That's like, metal. Did your parents? Did your parents come with you guys to the gay bar? They dipped out after Spoko, I believe. Oh, we did like some bar yeah, hopping yeah. and then ended up at the gay bar. Yeah, I wish they had stayed. They would have. Oh, that would have been fun. They would have yeah. been unsettled by the blood. I think. I everyone been like, was. <laughs> Everyone my daughter was unsettled by the blood. Yeah, it was all over everyone's <laughs> shirts, and it's I was so like, funny. "Who's bleeding? Get out of here! <laughs> <laughs> Who's bleeding? Leave!" As it's like coming down your like dripping down my hand. But if you are in Iowa City, go to Studio Thirteen. It is the best place, and ne- do not go to Spoko. It is the worst place. That's funny. There was a college bar by me that actually served fishbowl drinks. So yeah. like okay. Oh well. yeah, I worked at a bar that <sighs> did fish balls. <laughs> those are Kayla, Kayla was like, yeah, those are normal. <laughs> those they do, they take you out. Yeah, they were insane. Yeah, that, yeah. like done. they would give you if you finished it in a certain amount of time, they give you the <gasps> second one free. So you bring like oh, five no. friends. You finish your fish. Well, bowl. I didn't have this. Wild. That's dangerous. Sorry, I didn't have this in college because I went to college in New York City. Uh. So I was like going to the bars that I would go to now still. But when I would go visit friends, we would get a fishbowl and like die. <laughs> I feel like I definitely had like the lamest birthday out of the group. No, no, no. no. I, I was organizing an event. <laughs> <laughs> also, Becky, yours sounds like nice. You like had your shit together, yeah. tried something new, realized you didn't like it, you know, yes. like. Have, like, I guess moral it's important to learn what you don't yeah. like. Yeah. Moral of the Very story is on. your 21st birthday can be a regular day or a fun day. It doesn't have to be anything that you want it to be. And, you know, four years down the line, you could end up hanging out with friends, casually sipping white claws as you do and living your best life because 21 yeah. is but a number, baby. Just the start. Yeah, that's true. It really doesn't matter. Yeah. In the end. So true. <laughs> 
Because like I said, I made up for it. <laughs> oh my God, my 22nd birthday, I made up for not going on to my 21st. I'm probably oh like... Oh man, well, that, we'll have to do that next episode on the 22nd. still hurting 22nd. from that one. <laughs> we'll see if the fishbowl lines Every up. Every episode, we just like clip. talk about what we did. Yeah. Drink <laughs> responsibly, kids. <laughs> so for this birthday. <laughs> should we talk about um, books? Yeah. Yes, we yes. Okay, I want to go first because... I just finished this today and it was so cute and I love it. Um, so, and it was the book that I said I would get Woo-hoo. to last episode and I got to Whoa. it. Good for you. Um, pause, pause for applause. <laughs> so I want to talk about um, Take a Hint, Danny Brown by Talia Hibbert. I love the way you pronounce that title. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's a sentence. I know. Like you take a hint. <laughs> <laughs> well, Okay. I think it's so funny because um, she opens up the novel like literally praying to a goddess um, to send her a hint about like the kind of romance that she wants. So I'll get into it. But I, th- I think that's where the title comes from. It's like she's always asking for a sign. Like, where is my casual hookup that I want? And so the universe is like, oh, that's cute. Get a hint. Because the, yeah. the first one it's get a life and she's always talking about how she needs to get a life oh okay so i was wondering if that played into anything so i'll get to that later but uh i think this was my first like romance since i talked about the idea of you and they're very different throw back to one direction (laughs) (laughs) this one's about one direction no um this one has nothing to do with that but it's more um it's really, really funny. I was like laughing out loud and smiling the whole time. I read it fairly quick, which I think is the sign of like a good book. Like the banter was there. Um, and a lot of the jokes were like my idea of humor, like a lot of jokes about murdering people. And oh, oh. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> something that. goes wrong and they're just like, kill me. Oh, now. I need to read this. That, that kind of thing. Um, okay, so the book's about Danica Brown. She goes by Danny. Uh, she's an English PhD student who's kind of busy pursuing her goals of becoming a professor, and she has no time for romance. She just wants hookups. Thank you very much. Um, and she's very buddy-buddy with the security guard of this, like, shitty building she works at called the Echo. Um, and uh, having been on, on some campuses where some of the buildings are shit, I was like... <laughs> Um, but anyways, he's the, um, he, his name's Zafir Ansari, um, and he works at the front desk. He's a former pro rugby player. Uh, he takes the Ooh. security pretty seriously and listens to Roman. I have a crush on him already. Work, right? He seemed really like. Is he beefy? Uh, yeah, yeah. He she talked about his meaty thighs and his like Ugh. chiseled jaw. And like, how's his nose though? I feel like rugby players always end up with like a messed up nose. <laughs> I didn't hear like, of how broken nose is. from playing the game. Yeah, because it's so yeah. violent, very physical. But yeah, they. How'd she, how'd she describe him? She said he, he had the torso of like a shot putter and like thick thighs, and he has like a really strong beard. And I was like, I'm it thick thighs um and and danny's got like her own style um and she's like always dyeing her hair different colors and everyone thinks she's really pretty and stuff and so they've got great banter they like bring each other so in the mornings she brings him a black coffee and he brings her like a protein bar because he noticed she was eating skittles before her 9 a.m lecture (laughs) so he was like you need protein um so that's kind of how their friendship goes 
and then uh, one day there's a fire drill and um and so everyone's evacuating the building but she gets stuck in the elevator Zaf goes in to like figure out where she is because he's been keeping tabs on her because maybe he has a crush on her <laughs> and um and he wants to go into the building to check for like the all clear and then she he notices her stuck in the elevator he brings her out and like carries her in his arms and then all the students outside are like 20 year old university students so they obviously take a video of it and it goes viral and so their quote-unquote romance do they fall in love well i can't (laughs) give it away but there is a trope about um the like fake relationship thing so it's not my preferred hate to love but i'm almost converted from this because i was like the fake one was doing it for me as well is there a little Um, bit of like friends to love good trope yeah, and that, that's, that's what was special was that they had this, like, sardonic humor with each other, and they were really good. The way she wrote the dialogue, they were good at playing off each other. I think that's key. Your, like, romantic leads have to have humorous chemistry, I think, for me to be really invested in it. Um, and Danny and Zaf definitely bring the heat. So um, <laughs> <laughs> it's good for all my fellow Samanthas out there. Um <laughs> So even though it's kind of like obviously fun and lighthearted, I really like the way that Talia Hibbert deals with like kind of big topics in gender roles and it doesn't feel like forced, but naturally like kind of built into the world. So like Danny's a little more kind of reserved and commitment phobic. Like she's explicitly looking for just hookups and Zaf is like into finding love and like listens to romance books. And Talia Hibbert also says in her bio, she's got a great bio, by the way, I was tempted to read it just like, straight up read it here but I was like no that seems weird um, but it's really funny and she says she usually writes about marginalized identities and kind of positive representation um and you can tell she she cares about all her characters a lot and so I think one of the bigger things that was addressed in this book is kind of like toxic masculinity and how um men deal with anxiety um so a lot of a lot of the dialogue and discussion, especially the inner monologue of someone who was struggling with anxiety was really, really helpful, I think. Um, and, and the people feel really like fleshed out and real world, like everyone's identities are complex and the characters talk about it. And everyone who's like a part of the cast of characters feels like they were meant to be there. Is Chloe in it? Um, and red yes so so um this book is part of like a universe because there are three brown sisters so chloe's the oldest and she already had her own book and then there's a younger sister eve and she's getting her own book too so chloe makes an appearance so it's kind of like an mcu type thing i'm excited to read this one i have it yeah yeah i thought it was really really fun a lot of people recommended it to me because um danny's a phd student they were like oi so are you and (laughs) i did feel like danny and i could be friends in real life um and and yeah and also um i thought it was interesting that they opened the book with kind of this worship to i did a little bit of googling so there was like it seems like Danny is worshiping Orishas because there is this goddess mentioned called Oshun, like O-S-H-U-N, um, which is native to like the Yoruba people in Nigeria. And she's the goddess of sensuality. So that's kind of how like the book opens up. And I thought that was interesting because I hadn't read about like modern worship that's like cool. that before. Um, and it had the most hilarious first line ever. And I am going to read this because it 
it's just so <laughs> funny. So literally the book opens and it says, the moon was high and full. The night was ripe for witchy business and Danica Brown had honey on her tit. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I mean, come on. Yes. Come on. Um, so yeah, overall, I was really impressed. Um, made me laugh. It made me kind of think. And in general, like, Sometimes my critique with romances are they feel too, like, if they feel too cheesy, it's mostly because I think the people seem one-dimensional or everything just kind of, like, snaps into place really easily. But I did not feel like that with this book. It just feels like a cozy, warm hug, and I loved it. Um, I felt the same way with Chloe Brown because they feel like such real people. Yeah. And sometimes with, like, romance or even chiclet, it feels like, okay, they're just, like, going through the motions until you get to, like, the steamy things. But these are, like, grounded in real relationships well, I think for me, like, yes, the physical chemistry is fun to read about. And Danny Brown's a little bit, I mean, she she's kind of explicit. Um, <laughs> and in the way that she thinks about her own sexuality. And she's bi as well. So that oh, was really cool. cool because, like, Zaf assumed that she was only into women. And then she was like, well, actually, I'm bi. And then that was, like, a cool conversation for them to have. Um, and so I think romance is part of like building the chemistry and like the tension and the or at least what I think is like sexy or what I want to read about is kind of like the fun like the fun and getting to know people and like making each other laugh rather than like just the sexy stuff and I think she really nails like the fun aspects like of people who like getting to know each other um so yeah I recommend it to everyone who who wants a fun little read that sounds so how many stars under five stars because literally I read it in like a oh day. I love it. Yes. Are you going to read the other one? In yeah, the I'm planning on, I mean, not just up on my, what I'm reading next, but <laughs> I'm going to plan on reading like the rest of the universe here. Cause I like the Brown sisters. I want to hear more about I them. I don't think the third one is so, out yet. No, it's not. But there was a little excerpt in the back of the book. Um, so if you, you pick up your copy, I should say this came out like in June of this year so just last month or before and um <laughs> and so the the next book's probably coming It'll out probably in, next in year, 2021 yeah. or something yeah yeah i love that so, she's doing one uh, for all three sisters it's yeah fun. i know i'm a big fan of all these like romance networks like um jasmine gilroy um also does this where like she introduces characters in one book and then there are highlighted in the second book. So it's like non-sequential stuff. So you could pick up any in the series, but there's kind of like shout outs and callbacks to these other characters in all her romance books too. And I think that's kind of fun. Yeah. I love a um, universe. I love a universe. Uh, Libby, what'd you read? Okay. Hi. I read, this is kind of a random one, but I read like a year and a half ago, my Brilliant Friend by Ooh, Elena Ferrante. I wanted to read all of these books over the summer. I think there's still time you for still me. You still have time. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you have time. There's so, I will say like, well, I'll get into it. But anyway, there, it's by Elena Ferrante, translated by Anne Goldstein. Um, this came out from Europa Editions in September 2012. Um, so yeah, like I said, kind of random. I haven't read this for a year and a half. But the last time I read it was a reread. So I've read the first book twice and then the entire series all the way through once. Oh, okay. um, and then thinking about it, it it's like been on my mind recently because one of my friends, um, shout out Audie if you're listening, 
but she recently texted me that she's starting the sequel and so I was thinking about it because of that and she's also been watching the HBO um miniseries that they made for it oh so I didn't realize it was adapted brilliant friend the miniseries yeah it's adapted it came out like two two years ago maybe Mm. a year ago but yeah I have to Google this cover because I feel like I know exactly what you're talking about but I'm yeah, oh. it up. yes, that's we'll exactly it. You guys, since you guys can't um, hear the book cover, yeah, we'll the I cover. love those covers though because they're all. I'm gonna scroll down Libby's I didn't feed even have for a two Instagram. years to I don't find know. the photo of that book. That's not true. That's not true. Oh, You're, you could find it. Sorry, <laughs> but we'll do so, the work for you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yes. Anyway, it's been back on my mind for those reasons, um, and. Like I said, I've read My Brilliant Friend twice, but I didn't continue reading the series. But like thinking about it today, I really want to go back and do a whole reread. Um, so TBD, I might. I could do it with do you. Do that. I'm gonna read the series. Hey. Let's do it. There's always so many buddy so reads. many buddy reads. <laughs> I know it, it stresses me out. Actually, I'm actually overcommitted. <laughs> let's yeah, circle let's back. Do it. <laughs> well, let's just say maybe we'll do it, and then we both know we're never gonna do it. <laughs> anyway, there we go. So, um, yes, like we've all just talked about, I feel like this book was everywhere. Um, there was a term for it, Ferrante fever. Like everyone was obsessed with this series, with this author. I I remember like when I first moved to New York five years ago, like everyone on the subway was reading it. Um, so it just like, I love when you notice like that there's a popular book on the subway yes, that happened with sally TBT. rooney sally rooney was so. such a yeah. big one yeah between the world um, and me was a big subway read too oh yeah yeah anyway wow i haven't been on the subway in so long <laughs> yeah <laughs> what's the subway i forgot um <laughs> there was also before i like get into the plot of the book i also don't know if you guys remember this or if this was just like a publishing world gossip thing but there was all of this mystery surrounding the author because Elena Ferrante is a pseudonym and she was like purposefully keeping her identity under wraps. Like she didn't do interviews um, and Goldstein, the uh, translator would do interviews and would talk about how she like never knew the identity of the author. Like it was a whole thing. But then this journalist outed her identity basically in the New York review of books Um I'm not going to talk about that while I talk about this book, but it made me so mad and it was like oh. hot goss and I scandal. Yeah. yeah. And also like not great. Like let her be. Who, yeah, she chose a pseudonym for a reason. Yes. Like, it was let her love. It was so just like, I feel like that's everyone's nightmare when something gets so big and then they're like worried that everyone's going to go back through their whole life and like dig things up or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just have a lot of feelings about, this journalist who did this but anyway so if you look hard enough you can like figure out who the author is but it's Elena Ferrante in this episode (laughs) and let her live yeah so my brilliant friend um it's the first book in the the Neapolitan novels series so there's four books total um they're all translated from Italian and the author's Italian and so like a very very long summary short This book is just about two girls growing up together in a poor neighborhood on the outskirts of Naples, Italy. So that's like the very brief um, snapshot of the book, I guess. But so the narrator, who is also one of the main characters, her name's Elena. 
And the other main character in the book is her best friend, Leela. So the first book is broken up into a section about childhood and then followed by adolescence. And like the rest of the series follows that pattern. Like there's adulthood, middle age, like it continues throughout the rest of the the other three books in the series. Um, so Elena and Leela meet each other at a very early age. So a huge part of the plot of My Brilliant Friend is just like literally these two girls growing up together. So it starts out, they first meet each other when they're really young. Their their first meeting kind of like sets the tone for this whole like very intense friendship that they share which is what the entire series focuses on is just like the friendship between these two girls they meet each other and they like are playing with dolls and they end up switching dolls and Leela throws Elena's doll down into like a a sewer grate and so like rude yes and then Elena like very quickly reacts and is like retaliating Mm -hmm. so she also throws Leela's doll down into the grate so that's their first meeting. They're like solidified best friends after this. But I feel like oh. that, that <laughs> illustrates like this like toxic and like very intense, uh, weird, like, I don't know, codependent. Kind of like set the pace. For yeah, the exactly. And it like is sort of what, I don't know, it's like demonstrates the rest of their friendship with each other question uh the one girl's name is elena like the author's name yes and this is something so i have this at the end that i was going to talk about but most of the time no it's okay something about this book to keep in mind so um there's a lot of characters and it's one of those like classic everyone has pretty similar names and everyone has like four nicknames so like Oh. So her name's Elena. Leela <laughs> calls her Lenu. And I think sometimes Aww. her family calls oh. her Lenu. There are other nicknames for her. Only Elena calls Leela Leela, but everyone else calls her Lena. Her real name is like Raffaella or something. So there's there's an index of all the characters at the beginning <laughs> of the book. Um I feel like that was like my biggest roadblock and like mm-hmm. so fair warning to anyone who has trouble with like keeping characters straight well I guess what I was getting at was was the author like is that the point that you're supposed to assume that Elena the author is Elena the the girl I don't think so okay but it's possible and maybe that's like where some of the speculation came from Mm. it is very possible Mm. um Oh, that's But don't quote me because I really have no idea. <laughs> but <laughs> anyways, so yeah, like I said, like very passionate, often toxic friendship, but um, they genuinely also have like a lot of love for each other, which I'll kind of get to in a second. But so as time goes on, Elena and Leela go to elementary school together and then Elena kind of becomes the exception to the rule in their neighborhood, which is that she continues schooling past elementary school. Um, it's, I already mentioned, it's like a poor neighborhood and. I'm sorry. Did you already mention this? What year does it take place? It's, I didn't is mention it. Like no, it's in the fifties. Mm-hmm. 1950s. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. what I thought. Becky's like, I'm in. Um, <laughs> you, did you say a different time period? <laughs> the past. <laughs> Historical. <laughs> Um, (laughs) yes, it's in the fifties. And so the two girls finish elementary school and Leela, her family decides that 
it's not worth it for her to continue her education. She gets taken out of school and um, her dad is a shoe repairman. So she starts like working at the shop to earn money for the family. So Elena continues with school and actually ends up finishing high school, which like never happens to anyone in their neighborhood. And I feel like that. So, but while they're in elementary school, Elena and Leela, you know, they like do everything together, talk about everything, whatever test results and all of that. And Elena knows that like Leela is smarter than her. Like, but you know, she just gets taken out of school because it's her family's decision. So that's another thing that kind of adds to their weird like friendship because Elena sort of resents she sort of feels like an outsider in her neighborhood because she's the only one still going to school she also kind of resents the fact that she like has this knowledge that Leela if she had stayed in school she'd be like surpassing her you know and like Leela the way that the two of them are set up like in comparison to each other is Leela's just this very enigmatic, beautiful, kind of like more violent of the two or like less level headed. And Elena's definitely like the grounded, quieter, you know, more bookish one. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting to see like their differences sort of interpreted only through Elena's perspective. You never hear from Leela directly, um, which adds to her mm-hmm. like other, That's interesting. yeah, like enigmatic enigmatic what, what do you what's that word enigmatic <laughs> but how do you say like enigma she's an enigma yeah, you know what i mean <laughs> we're really good with words here at books in the city pod <laughs> I sh- we are i try my best um inceptionized so inception <laughs> yes i was like randomly laughing about that <laughs> um, if you can't think of a word just then it so yeah, that's kind of like the juxtaposition. Hey, big word, everyone. Cool. Um, hey. Between these two girls is this sort of like resentment that they feel for each other, but also they're like codependence and like intense love for each other because, you know, when you have like a best friend as a child, it's like she is all that you're with her 24 mm-hmm. seven. You're always like you're, yeah. everything is in relation to her, um, which I feel like mm-hmm. Ferrante nailed um and is one of the best parts of the book and like why so many people were drawn to the series Mm -hmm. another thing is the setting this neighborhood outside of naples is like such a huge part of the book and makes has such an impact on um these two girls like in this book but also like for the rest of their lives it's like Mm -hmm. i already mentioned it's poor but it's also just like very violent like suddenly violent like there's there's a lot of history in the neighborhoods there's like you know feuding families there's like everyone knows everything about everyone else's family everyone is kind of poor but there's like this sort of scrappy intensity with like being not the least poor person in the neighborhood or like Mm. that type of thing so the setting plays a huge part and and the neighborhood kind of tends to be like a dead end it seems like for families who live there Mm. So both Elena and Leela are kind of like working against this, but you know, it would seem that like one is set up to get out of the neighborhood and one is sort of set up to stay, you would assume, Mm -hmm. which I'm not going to say whether that happens or not. But so, yeah, I mean, I feel like 
it's super character driven. I didn't really describe the plot at all in this, but I think this is one of those books where like the writing and the character development um, is the biggest draw or like the, the best part of this book. Mm-hmm. And it's so good. Like, I hope you'll just take my word for it and everyone else's word because everyone is obsessed with it. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. just like, I've never read, not to sound cliche, because I feel like this is what everyone says, but I've never read like young, young girlhood, like friendship in this way. And like, I can't really, mm-hmm. like, I wasn't, I didn't grow up in this neighborhood where like abrupt, violent things would happen all the time, but like still everything about their experience was just like somehow like super insular, but also like really relatable. That's why I want to read it is because I feel like I've had that friend that like wasn't a good friend, but I was so close to like something about being close to this person. You share everything with them, but you know that like being friends with them isn't good for you. Yes. Exactly. And you have especially the ones that you grow up with. Yeah, exactly. You're just always together. There's like this obligation almost to. Yeah. And and because like, you know, Elena, like continues with school and like you could argue is the more like refined one. There's just like an extra interesting kind of pull on her where like she she's learning more. She's like continuing her education, but she's also like. She's still, like, a young, insecure girl who feels like she doesn't fit in with her neighborhood. And she's, like, this bookish sort of quieter half of this super forceful friendship. And, like, mm-hmm. so no matter what she does, it's always kind of in relation to Leela. And because Leela's just, like, scrappier and, like, more passionate and more clever and more beautiful. And, like, this enigma, you're, it's just, like, a super interesting way to tell the story like coming only from Elena's perspective does the whole series follow them yes so do you like grow with them I was debating like saying this the the actual like very beginning of this book of my brilliant friend is Elena at a very old age thinking back on all of this but when it starts you realize that um Leela's missing in their old like present day timeline Oh, I want to read that. So Leela's missing, and then you go back to childhood, and then it's like totally like. So then you like to learn the whole story. Yes, I really want to. But read it, it. Oh, wow! So it's through four books, and then I didn't even really get into this, but like, there's obviously in the adolescent stage, there's like elements of romance that kind of come to a head toward the end of this book, and like continue these like romantic entanglements continue throughout the series so that's like a super just like added dimension of like what is going on with this these like crazy friends and like how they're just like not good for each other but they also love (laughs) each other so much and you're just like I don't Mm -hmm. I don't know what's right but like you guys I don't know they're just like a part of each other's lives yeah yeah so yeah I highly highly recommend it even if that sounded super boring like I swear it's not because no, you literally just convinced me to read the whole <laughs> yeah, series. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> looking at, I'm like, where can I buy this officially? Oh my God, I just ordered books yesterday. And There's it's box safe sets. to say this was probably a five-star read considering 
you're still thinking about it. I reread two years it later. and I'm still, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, five stars. Absolutely. Every book in the series was five stars for me. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. All right. I, got, I gotta read them. Consistent. I think like a huge part of this, I kind of already mentioned this, but a huge part of why I like it so much is Elena as a narrator is very, you know, like frank and straightforward, but because she's surrounded by all of this violence in her neighborhood and all of these like intense feelings around her best friend, it's so the writing is just like so surprising while also just being really straightforward, if that mm. makes sense. Like the way that she ties character into setting is um incredible and it's so good. Yeah, I guess yeah. going off like the vanishing half kind of thing where it's like multiple time or like time jumping and and kind of like good character development i kind of want yeah. something like that but i will say like once you're in you have that that present timeline at the beginning and then you flashback and you sort of like stay in flashback just the entire way oh, like okay. there's not really i can't remember maybe at the beginning of every book there's like a brief check-in with the present or whatever but like you pretty much stay in the flashback like linear uh, yes and it stays linear until the last book when you it's like a full circle yeah i had like planned it all out i was gonna maybe go to italy over the summer <laughs> oh um and i was gonna read these like in preparation oh no that's so sad well okay. you can go maybe to in italy a few years Yes. Yeah, read these yeah. books and it'll take you to probably not the part of Italy that you were going to visit, but <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Just visit a new part. Yeah. Ugh, it's so good. Everyone read it. Okay, anyway, Becky, what did you read? So I read Mem by Bethany C. Morrow. Um, yeah. It came out in 2018. So this is a novella. It's less than 200 pages and it's set in Montreal. Is this our first novella? No. I think no, Emily's I think talked about some. some. Oh, yeah, okay. Is this the first novella you've read? I don't think so. Okay. Um, maybe. <laughs> Just ignore me. <laughs> ignore it all. <laughs> um, so it's set in Montreal in the 20s, so I'm sold. Oh, um, <laughs> 20s. It's sci-fi, which is also really cool and different for me, so I'm excited to have had such a, picked up such a, a great sci-fi so I'll also mention that Bethany packs so much into these 200 pages, but it definitely doesn't feel like too much. It's just when I went and sat down to like write my notes for today's episode, I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much. I feel like I'm writing 200 pages just kind of like with the main points <laughs> that I want to talk about. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. So, okay. Have you ever experienced something like unfortunate that you and you're just like, I want to delete that memory forever and never have to think about it again? Yes. Yeah, like a million times. All the time. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> Most of my life. <laughs> Have you ever had like a really lovely memory and you're like, oh my gosh, I want to remember this forever? Yes. Yes. So in Mem, there's a scientist who figures out a way to extract memories from people. And then these extracted memories like take on the form of this human like creature that looks just like their source person. And these memories lived, live locked away in a vault until they expire or just, I don't know, just stay there in this vault. And by expire, I mean they die. Um, so the memories are these like, they're like zombie-like almost. They're totally singular. They only ever live in that moment. 
of the memory that they they were extracted from. So, for example, if you remove the memory of someone breaking up with you, that memory-like being will essentially just be sitting and crying and reliving that breakup over and over <gasps> again until they expire. Dark. So, oh. Yeah. <laughs> so those are called mems, those, those creatures that, you know, have this negative memory. They're called mems. I'm picturing them like in Harry Potter when Dumbledore like, oh, yeah, takes his memory. <laughs> well, I guess c- no one can see what I'm doing with my hands. Well, yeah, you, you guys all know what the pensive, <laughs> but this is like it's like almost like a carbon copy of you. So if you were to remove a memory of a breakup, it would be like another version of you locked away in a vault. And it's just re- this like human reliving your one memory over and over again. So. People can have their good memories removed also, and their good memories kind of like are passed down generation to generation because you own your mem, or in this case, the positive memory would be called a keepsake. Um, So for example, if your grandma, say, is like developing memory loss and she's like, I don't want my family to forget how I met your grandfather, she could remove that memory and put it in the vault and it would be a keepsake. Wow. Um, but nothing. But when they're there, can they like feel and like. Well, I'm getting into that. Like it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So nothing about these like memory extractions are guaranteed. So the good memories, the keepsakes, they could expire also. There's nothing like promising that, you know, your mem is going to survive for like your kids' kids to be able to like access. They're all, it's all very kind of like experimental and throughout the book, like they're kind of learning more about it. But the main character and narrator of the book is Dolores Extract Number 1, also known as Elsie. So Elsie is an anomaly. She's the only mem to date that was not zombie-like. So she could feel feelings and have thoughts of her own and memories of her own. And she showed no sign of expiring. How long do they last? So it depends. Um, Sometimes the memories expire really quickly and sometimes they stay for a while. Elsie or Dolores Extract number one has been around for 19 years. And so she had they they kind of think all the signs are pointing to her being like immortal. But no one understands why she's the Mm -hmm. only mem that can like actually be human. The rest of them, they are literally on almost like a time loop of like just the only thing they know about anything is that memory. So there's a scene where the this person had three memories extracted and they almost act like a mirror to each other because they see each other and they like they're like oh that's me in this moment but they're only remembering that one moment that they were extracted from so they're just like constantly in like pain or like it was a bad memory their whole existence Uh, wow that sucks yeah so But Elsie, she, like, lives in an apartment outside of the vault, and she has friends and a normal life, and all of her memories from her sources, like, childhood and who she was then, and then she, like, forms her own kind of self from what she remembers from her source and then what she has created in her own life. But then one day, Elsie is brought back to the vault, or recalled, um, air quote, and She's t- she has no idea why. She doesn't understand why, and she's trying to figure it out. So the book goes between Elsie's own memories in her days before or right after being extracted, where she was, like, famous for being this, like, mem that's, like, an anomaly, you know? like And then it goes to the current time in the book, which is when she's sent 
back to the vault and trying to figure it all out. There's also during this present time, they're starting to see like side effects to having your memory extracted and the source starts to act broken and lose their mind and just generally become changed. So that's also something that they're trying to figure out throughout the book. But yeah, it kind of reminded me a little bit of Westworld in a way, I think, because... Especially Dolores. Yeah, I think because of the main character, Dolores, you know, if you've seen Westworld, you know. Um, But I did look at the... I was looking at the Goodreads page for this book, and there's, like, that section where you can ask a question and then, like, anyone can answer, and Bethany answered um, when somebody said, oh, is this, like, inspired by Westworld? And she said like I started writing this in 2011 and I had no idea what Westworld was at the time and it kind of seemed like she's like tired of the comparison because she did it you know separate comp- like I don't think Westworld was even out yet um no. also Westworld's um, like an amusement it's like robots more yeah there's no robots in this um but I do see the comparison a bit because kind of like somewhat of an overarching theme of like you know remembering (laughs) um yeah yeah but like it's very slight so but I do think if you liked Westworld you'll probably like this book because of that but it's it's vastly different it's definitely not the same and yeah it kind of just it makes you think about what makes you you and the good and the bad things that make you you and what happens to us and how that affects us in our life yeah it's a five-star read for me that sounds wild I have a question you I don't know if you said this in the beginning, but if say I was in this and I extracted like a negative memory, mm-hmm. then I just forget that memory. Yeah. You have no memory of it at all. Everything about that moment in your oh, life. So sad. if you extract a breakup, you forget that person altogether, everything about them that led to that. So likely the good things. So too. then it kind of brings into like the shitty things you go through or what makes are part of what makes you you. Yeah. Kind of like I. That's how I like to think with my own life. Yeah. It had all the things I love um, and then and then more that I didn't know I loved until I read it. So I'm definitely really into it. I don't think you said this, but do you ever meet Elsie's source? Um, or is that a spoiler? Or like, does I she it, ever meet? I will say yes, but I'm not going to say any more. Okay. Okay. I want to read this. It's so good. It's so good. I know. It sounds so good. And it makes me want to like try more sci-fi and read more stuff like that. It's interesting that it's like in the 20s too because that could totally happen, take place now. Yeah. Yeah. There was like descriptions of some fashion and I think it had a lot to do with the Art Deco buildings. I think that's part of why she chose the um, Mm -hmm. timeline. Also, um, in the author's note, she talks about how she chose to remove the racism that Elsie would absolutely have experienced Mm. um, and remove that from the book and tell her story with that as something that doesn't exist in the world. But her whole author's note is dedicated to the fact that, you know, like this is something that absolutely would have happened and is happening in the world. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting choice. That is cool. Yeah. Um, All right, Kayla. Another moment we've all been waiting for. (laughs) What did you read? Okay, so once again, I'm actually talking about the one that I said I was going to read next. And I read Midnight Sun by Stephanie Meyer, which came out like last week. 
Uh, I'm like nervous to talk about this. I can't believe you already finished it. It's so long. I like made myself sit sit and like power through. We're going to get to it. Um, Before I talk about this, though, I just want to say, regardless of what I'm going to say in like 30 seconds, Twilight was a very important part of my life. Like I was, I'm sure you know now by listening to this, I'm an anxious person now. When I was a freshman in high school, my anxiety was like at its peak and I didn't know what anxiety was. And my family was like imploding and I was just, everyone was into Twilight then. And that was like the world that I escaped into. So Twilight was, it will always be an important part of my life, of my teenage self life. <laughs> like oh, I'm no. 26 now. So, okay. So going off that, I'm like, I need to like really read my notes for this one because my thoughts are just everywhere. I've never reread them. I only read them as a 14 year old. And you guys know my thoughts on rereading books. So I decided before this, I wasn't going back to reread it after my um, reread of The Royal Way. But I have seen the movie, especially the first movie, like so many times. Because when we're bored, we'll just put it on and like laugh at it. (laughs) So I know Twilight like the back of my hand. Like I could quote it, act things out. So going into that, that's like that was an important part of reading this book for me because Midnight Sun is twilight the first book but from edward's point of view which means that you're reading a story that i've known for 12 years of my life Mm -hmm. which at times meant it was kind of boring because you know what's Uh, gonna happen that makes sense yeah so parts of it were really interesting like in the beginning of the book before they even meet you're just being in the head of like a Colin, you're getting such a different perspective because like when in like the cafeteria, when like Jessica's telling Bella about the Collins, like you're hearing his thoughts on like what everyone assumes that they're like. And there's also, there are a lot of parts in the first book where Edward and Bella are separated. So you get to see what was happening that wasn't in the first book. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know if I should say this, but I wrote like, it was interesting because he like went on forever about how bad he wanted to kill Bella. Oh my God. Like like, planning it out. Like when he first was sitting down in that biology class was like plotting her murder. Oh, so in the part in the movie when he's just like gagging his nose is covered, like he smelled like dead rodent when she walked through. That was like 30 pages. Like this book was way too long. That that was like, he was plotting her murder of like okay sexy I could, he was like okay no but he's like okay i'm worried like, about you Not, he's like oh i had like a bit more respect for him with like this because like in twilight it seems like he just like quickly fell in love after hating her but like yeah he's like okay i'll like have to kill the whole class first and like the holy piece. shit oh my god it's like holy shit it's not funny but like it's just such a departure from like the edward that's racing <laughs> i was like why was i in love with edward he's like plotting the mass murder of this entire biology right. as someone <laughs> who has never read or seen twilight <laughs> i am shook what on earth Okay, you just need to like sit down, <laughs> watch the movie. Is that what you're yeah. telling me to do? Do you know it's about vampires? I, I okay, the but gist, the way I'm yeah. the way I'm gonna tell this story though is like assuming that you are familiar with the Twilight story. I know most people are. Okay, yeah. So I always wanted more of the Collins, and that is something that you did get with this book, and that those were the parts that I like actually enjoyed. And it was interesting because you learned that the family was so much more influential in his decision to like 
to actually stay in Forks and to be with Bella than you first assume. Because like he was was more concerned about the Collins than Bella in the beginning. Mm. You also got a ton of backstory on Carlisle. Like I sorry, I should have said this right away, but the first few chapters of this book were leaked years ago and she that's why it didn't come out until now. Like she stopped working on it. And I did read those chapters then like all the time because I was obsessed and wanted more Twilight. So there were a lot of things that I was reading it and I was like, like some scenes I was like, I feel like I read this, but it was obviously like 12 years ago and I could not today find online the original Midnight Sun. So if you were, if anyone listening has found it, please like let us know because I would love to compare. Um, but this wasn't in the original one. Like you learned a bit about Carlisle as a human in the 1600s. And then when he first became a vampire and then you spent a bit of time with Edward when he was a newborn vampire. So like that stuff was cool because it was something new. And then also when Edward was, in, Edward was a newborn, they like meet up with Carlisle's vampire friends. And those were some people who show up in Breaking Dawn when they're like gathering all the vampires. So like, oh, okay. That was cool. Like, I really liked those parts of it, but they were so few and far in between with, like, the story that I know by heart and could, like, put on a play. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, my next note is, like, it's a retelling. I was bored. There were pages where I already knew all the dialogue. The story did not change. Wait, the dialogue stayed? Oh, I guess that makes sense. It would stay the same. Oh, my God. Well, when I asked you last week if it was just going to be Twilight, but literally it just says Edward, you were like, no. Well, because I, I knew, I thought, okay, sorry. I'm like everywhere with this. Cause it's just, it's like kind of hard to talk about, but like it's twilight from Edward's point of view. So all of the like major scenes in twilight are in there. Pretty much everything in twilight is in there. And then the added scenes are when he wasn't with Bella. So like, like I was reading some of it and I'm like, I know what they're going to say next. Like the lion falls in love with the lamb. Like what a stupid lamb. (laughs) Yeah. Like all of those things are in it. And I kind of wish that it was just a prequel and I think Mm. some people went into this assuming that it was I think that would have been really interesting just because the bits of like even just Carlisle's life that you got before Twilight like that was so much fun to read um so obviously it had like the Twilight cringe that I think when all of us look back at Twilight we experience which it was fun like it was kind of fun to be back in this world that I once loved so much it just went on for 653 pages. So I was kind of like... You don't have time for it no anymore. Need. I'm like, I know what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's get to it. For for um, angsty teenage romance, you don't want to read about it for 650 pages. Yeah, exactly. When I already know, like, it wasn't fun to build up to their romance when I knew what was going to happen. But, okay, Wait, something else that was interesting. I, I yeah. have a question. Do you get... So, like, you know how he creeps in her room I was just going to talk oh, about this. Okay, okay, go. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. okay, so oh being God. in Edward's head, some of the creepy things that he did were kind of rationalized. Like, I mean, it was it was creepy that he would watch her sleep every night, but <laughs> cringe. <laughs> Super cringe. <laughs> His reasoning, though, I read and I was like, oh, like that kind of makes sense. He was there Is this a spoiler? because he would, no. I mean, like, it's like, how can you spoil it? It's pretty early in the part. Yeah. Yeah. He would go to watch Bella sleep because he wanted to, like, build up an immunity. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Oh, my God. So he would, like, spend time and he was, like, getting comfortable with, like, the burn of, like, because that was, like, his blood singer. 
And then when he was with her during the day, he was able to like, cause if you read Twilight Forever Go, you probably forgot this. I forgot too. Like, oh. um, he like wouldn't breathe around Bella because he would want to kill her then. <laughs> but talking, <laughs> that makes talking really so hard. cute. <laughs> so he Adorable. was like, <laughs> doesn't everyone want a boyfriend who might murder? Just wants to murder them? Because <laughs> if Bella's had the it? whole time, she was like, God, he's so, and then he's so hot. And he would be like, I'm a monster. And all the teenage girls were like, whatever. And so this book comes out and he's like, I am a literal monster. Please don't get me started on the word monster. That's like a whole other thing with this. Anytime he talks about um, like his vampire urges, he goes, oh, the monster. Like the monster likes that. I'm like, it's you. You are the monster. Like just say, I liked that. (laughs) But anyway, so he was like watching her sleep so he could like get used to her sense. That way when they were together, he like wouldn't kill her. It was way too long and it took forever to get into the action of the book. But when she finally, if you're familiar, you know, like she goes to the Collins house and then it's like the baseball scene, which is the best scene of the whole series. And then that's when like the real drama starts. Once they got to the house in this book too, like that's when I was like in really into the book, like flipping pages because Bella and Edward are separated a lot at the end of Twilight. So when Bella like flees to Phoenix right away with Alice and Jasper, you stay with Edward and he's with Emmett and Carlisle and they're like trying to track this oh, guy down. Cool. And then yeah. you follow him to Phoenix and you walk in and Edward walks in at the end and Bella was like dying. So like that was cool. Cause like, that was like probably the biggest stretch of new scenes. Okay. So I told a few people that I couldn't wait to be done with this book. And it it comes down to the fact that I know this story so well, like it was cool to get new things, but like, I don't really see the point of why she released this book. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, millions of dollars. Because we know. Yeah. yeah. Like, everyone knows what's going to happen. Like, and there weren't really enough new things. I was kind of let down by that. But at the end of the day, Twilight will always hold a special place in my heart. This, re- this read kind of affirmed to me why it was, like, such an important part of my teenage self's life. And, like, it'll stay there in my past. Mm-hmm. And then just for my last, like, three bullet points on my notes I'm going to read it like I wrote it Emmett is the best Colin Edward is boring and my favorite brand of vampire is the vampire diaries I prefer them over the twilight vampires whoa triple hot takes yeah Uh, wow um a couple quick questions do you feel like Bella is more interesting because you weren't inside her head or was she even more dull on the page I just still, I think the whole point of Bella is that she was kind of average. So I was like, why is he obsessed with her? But Edward like really thought she was beautiful and exceptional. So it kind of changed that a bit. But like, he's like, what's your favorite color? And she's like, brown. He's like, me too. (laughs) What? I think that tells you everything you need to know about that couple. Once again, so cute. Yeah, like that, like none of that really changed. Like, this kind of Um, reminds me of when I went to see Titanic in 3D and I was like, this is the exact same movie. (laughs) The only thing that's different is the plates are coming at my face. (laughs) Oh my God. I didn't even know that that was a thing. Yeah. Wow. Um, I had another question about Edward. Was he at least remarking on what everyone was thinking about? Yeah, yeah, that was kind of fun. And like, when he was reading people saw to a be italicized, that was like one, probably one of the better parts of the book. Okay. Cause like he'll be sitting in the cafeteria and he's like reading like 
all the dumb teenagers thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> what, don't you think that Collins would be like, why didn't these, why don't these teens see that we are like literally translucent? We never eat anything and all our eyes are the same colors, even though we're all well, adopted. They do, they do kind of talk about like humans versus vampires and how humans like, when a human first sees a vampire, they have like a spike of adrenaline and fear and then their mind takes over and they're like, oh, well, like, because their subconscious is saying you should be afraid of this creature, but then their rational mind takes over and it's like, well, they're not real. Like, what's wrong with you? This is just a person. So that was kind of interesting too. Oh, okay. So Bella doesn't really have a rational mind. (laughs) Something's wrong with her because he can't read her mind either. And he also couldn't read Charlie's mind that well, which is also interesting. I don't think we knew that. Oh, that's um, her dad, right? Yeah, but one... Sorry, this is the last thing. When I first heard Twilight, I was like, oh, yeah, they just go to high school forever. And then this read, I'm like, like go to college or something. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, really. I just rewatched the movie with my friend last week. And I was, like, looking at that... Okay, so in the movie, because I just watched it last week, they were saying that they start younger so they can stay in a place yeah. longer. But I was like, truly, that that sounds hellish to just relive high school. Okay, but like the opening lines of the book, like kind of, they do talk about that. But I was like, you oh, have God. options. <laughs> like, there's no law saying you need to be in high school. There's no <laughs> law saying you have to go to school at all. Yeah, seriously, just travel, have fun. Yeah. Do you think she's going to release more the rest of the books in... Edward's mindset yeah I was gonna ask that or perspective I don't think so and I honestly I think she needs to stop <laughs> <laughs> but I have her Stephanie <laughs> that sounds like so dramatic Stephanie. but Kayla needs to talk but here, to you. But here's, it. The, here's the thing like all of us who loved it so much like we grew up and now I read it and I've just it doesn't have the same hold over me and like I wouldn't yeah. be interested in reading more of it and even like I have a cousin who's 14 now and she's seen the Twilight movies, but I don't see her being, she's never picked the books up. Like to her, there are movies. Like I don't see the new generation of teens really picking them up. Like the time for Twilight came and went. It's in the past, (laughs) which is a great, which is fine. Like it's fun to look back and we're millennials. We love nostalgia. Yeah. Like we don't have to keep like beating the dead horse. Like it's done. Even this whole time you were talking to me. I just keep thinking about like your whole, again, you're covered in the forks filter. Decode is playing in the back of my mind. It's like less about the plot or what happens and more about like the email. Like you say Twilight and it just conjures all these other things about 2008 for me. (laughs) Yeah. Like it was such, it was when I think of the beginning of my high school life, I think of Twilight. Like it, they're just completely directly associated but, like, when I think about my life going forward, I don't think about reading more Twilight books. Oh, wow. That's so sad. So, yeah. what a loss. Was it a five star read? I gave it three stars. Okay. Okay. That seems fair. Yeah. That seems about Because it, it, it was cool to kind of revisit it for a bit. Their writing and things left a bit to be desired. I'm sure <laughs> when you read Twilight when you were 14, like, Goodreads wasn't even around. But, like, mm-hmm. what would you have? Probably five stars. Okay. And then if you like, I was obsessed. Yeah, okay. Okay. I feel like that's a fair assessment then. Like three yeah, stars. Three yeah. stars isn't bad. Yeah. yeah. Especially no, if half so the either. plot was the same. Or like the whole the plot, plot was the same. <laughs> from the old manuscript. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just. It like, wasn't even like, oh, there's like new vampires. What's going to happen? Like, I know what's going to happen. <laughs> oh, that guy. 
again. James, there he is. He's a tracker. I wonder what's going to happen to Bella. (laughs) We know. Put some money on it. Be like, I bet by the end of this, she might get injured. So as somebody who has never read Twilight, do you, if I were to read it, do you recommend I pick up Twilight or Midnight Sun? Twilight. Okay. I thought you were going to say that. Yeah. Because that one, it's a bit more like cryptic about the vampires. Like, and then this was kind of getting answers. I see. Okay. Yeah. So what's up next for you? Okay. Next for me is The Unraveling of Cassidy Holmes by Alyssa R. Sloan. I have this book too, and I really want to read it. I heard that if you like Daisy Jones in the Six, you'll like this one. Yeah. I'm excited for it. Becky, what's next? Um, Next for me is going to be Harrow Lake by Kat Ellis. I don't know either. I've never heard books. of it. Yeah. Um, it's like a YA thriller. Oh, fun. Um, Libby, what's up next for you? I'm going to read Who Put This Song On by Buddy Morgan Reed. Parker. Yeah, which I know we talked about this today. Um, it's a YA and Morgan Parker is a poet. So I'm really excited to see like how she translates to YA fiction. Uh, I'll text you about the Buddy Read, Becky. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Emily, what are you reading? Uh, this is funny. I've never heard of any of your to-be-reads, um, but I will be uh, hoping to get to Get a Life, Chloe Brown, soon. Oh. By the same author. Oh, yeah. Oh, Talia sorry. Hibbert. I asked that earlier. It makes sense now. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> but yeah. My bad. I'll just round out the universe. <laughs> You're going to like it. It's so good. How cute. So where can everyone be found on the interwebs? Kayla? I'm at KRedWyatt. I'm at Becky in the Bookshelves. I'm at Sleep, Run, Read, Repeat. I'm at the Lazy Library. And you can find all of us at Books in the City Pod. Please make sure to keep hashtagging my books in the city whenever you're posting in your merch or books that we've inspired you to read. Follow, subscribe, rate, review, sign up for our Patreon. So exciting we can say that now. Yeah, hope to see you in our fan Sign club. up for our newsletter. Yeah. Can't wait to hang out with you guys. Um, sign up for our newsletter on our website, booksinthecitypod.com. Yes. Thank you guys for Thank listening. Thank you for listening. Bye. 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 Bye.